Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. If psychic abilities run in your family, and you are you more likely to have parasite problems? Why do some people, quote, chase ghosts, unquote, and never find anything, whereas others see lots of action? If you have had ghost experiences, are you more likely to run into UFOs? Hey there, and welcome to the 521st edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and those many and varied questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And this evening we bring you an uh, open line show, and which are going to be increasingly rare as we uh, go along. I think this is going to be the last one that we have for the next, uh, what, to like... Well, until April, April, anyway. Yeah. We have twice the guests and half the slots, so... Right. So uh, we do welcome your phone calls. The number locally is 401-766-1240, and from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, 800-449-1240. All right, so let's get right to those emails and FB, that's in Facebook, questions. All right, there. Uh, here's a rather lengthy one, but it's kind of interesting. This is from Jamie in Sierra Vista, Arizona. Ooh, wow, that is very lengthy already. Well, let's let's get started. Um, so uh, Jamie writes to us. Recently uh, visited. Uh, recently visited. Why does he say visited? Uh, recently moved into a uh, woman's house in uh, Sierra Vista, Arizona, with my fiance to uh, work as caregivers. The woman I speak of had a stroke several years back and cannot provide for herself. Anyone in, or anyhow, the uh, first night we uh, were here, I caught a glimpse of what I would uh, usually call a shadow person, with the exception that the uh, main color I noticed was a light gray. Like shadow people, I tend to do it. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Like shadow people tend to do it. Uh, f- flitted away before uh, I could get a good look at it which is why all I could see really, or, or really perceive, was a torso and the uh, gray color. I decided that I, either one of uh, two things, uh, that I was tired and seeing things from the combination of exhaustion from the uh, move uh, and uh, meds I'm on for the uh, clot in my leg, or it was a uh, curious entity checking us out, being that uh, we were the new people on the block, so to speak. Uh, fast forward to the next day, and my fiancé comes and tells me uh, that I caught a glimpse of a man in a gray suit walking through the uh, sunroom uh, before disappearing. Things have uh, died down since. Neither me or my fiancé have seen anything since. But this morning, the woman we take care of, let's call her Anne, uh, well, her therapist comes by, and uh, we overhear her telling her therapist about the ghost. Uh, quote-unquote right there. Uh, after the therapist leaves, my fiancé asks Anne if um, she has been seeing a ghost. At first, she didn't want to talk about it with my fiancé until she told Anne or, uh, that uh, we had seen things as well. First first thing um, Anne asked us was, uh, you've seen the uh, gray man? My skeptical side tells me this could all be a coincidence. My investigative side tells me that there is a definite, uh, definitely uh, something uh, going on, uh, though. I don't see, or <clears throat> excuse me, I don't sense anything uh, malevolent. Thus, uh, likely, uh, thus it's less likely to be a parasite. Guess my question to you would be this: We have all seen this entity in different parts of the house at different times. If we are looking through a time slip, why is this guy always wearing the same clothes? Also, why do a lot of uh, common ghost stories that seem 
that seem less than uh, residual. Why do people always perceive ghosts wearing the same clothing? This just struck me as odd if, uh, in fact, if we are, in fact, gazing through thin places into other times or realities. Anyway, just r- random thoughts, I'd guess. Uh, been enjoying and catching up on the missing shows. Uh, would you would be great to hear your opinion on this? Okay, well, I did I did write back on this to Jamie, and I said thanks, Jamie. I'll, I'll extrapolate on this as we go, but thanks, Jamie. Great question. Uh, a hint: In my experience, not all people do see ghosts wearing the same clothing. Also, I feel that one, the nexus of the two or more worlds is often stuck in the same place, time, mind for a long period. In other words, if, if you think of these as, well, as physicists might even talk about membranes or brains, B-R-A-N-E-S, they sort of uh, like a couple of bubbles in, in your dishes, you know, your dishwater or, or your, your soap or whatever, a couple of soap bubbles, you know, kind of attaching at one certain point, uh, the nexus of the two or more worlds is often stuck in that same place. That's probably why our ancestors put stone circles where they did and why some are still thin places and some are not. I've actually experienced that uh, at the Scorehill Stone Circle in Devon, England. At uh, one time, I was in there, and you, you cannot take a an in-focus picture. It wasn't digital at the time either. It was, so it was a long time ago. It was still film in the cameras. And uh, I stood there, and a lot of interesting things happened. Other stone circles, nothing. Because they are anybody in the Dragon Project, including our friend uh, Paul Deverer, will tell you that these things very often, the, the energy centers will move. Uh, second, I wrote to Jamie, uh, there are archetypal Im- images. I usually find that they are parasites that always wear the same clothes. Uh, one I ran into in Quebec, a guy in the checkered shirt, man in the checkered shirt. I've run into him in several places. Little girls in white dresses. What could be less threatening than that? And they turn out half the time to be parasite situations. And uh, these seem to be to vary by culture and time period. Okay. Uh, I would add to that that the, um, the the gray apparition, the gray, if you want to say shadow person, is very common. I'm thinking particularly of uh, relatives of ours in England who actually grew up in a castle, and they would talk about, to this day, the gray lady. A number of other people who have grown up in old places in England talk about the gray lady or the gray man or whatever. And I often, comp- and, and uh, she asks, Jamie asks, if, if we're looking through time slips, how come it's the same? Well, you'll very often see, as I've, as I've often said, the old lady coming down the stairs and walking out through the front door without opening it every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Sometimes they're in worlds where their time is not the same as our time. I do not believe they are, for the most part, dead people, except if they may be dead in our consciousness stream in our world and not dead in many, many others where all of us are sharing our lives and i think that it's um, a matter of that so as far as residual hauntings are concerned uh, what that means in the, the the common parlance is that somehow some event usually a traumatic one is recorded on the environment somehow although i've never heard, and i having been one of the early advocates of that i've yet to hear an explanation of how that might occur uh, especially in outdoor situations and uh, these things supposedly replay to a, a mind that it, or a brain that is receptive to that signal or whatever you want to call it. I don't really accept that anymore because I have changed some of these um, residual events, supposedly, by interacting with them. 
It's not something I advise and something I do not do lightly and do not do very often, but I have managed to do it, and the event has changed. What I think I've done is is perhaps nudge the B-R-A-N-E, the membrane of the world boundary, so to speak, into a little bit of a different place, and the time connection seems to change a little bit, sometimes a lot. And as far as the gray, sometimes these these gray... Uh, Apparitions are seen sometimes, black ones are seen, and especially with the gray color, one wonders uh, what about the grays that are associated with UFO cases, because we often find that you've got similarities or parallels or even identities between what we commonly think are UFO cases and commonly what we commonly think are ghost cases, because it all, I think, depends very often on the context in which you see these things. As I've often said, if you're in uh, your dining room having Thanksgiving dinner and a gray shape floats through the room, everybody runs out and shouts, ghost. Uh, if you're in your yard and you see the same thing with maybe a disc hanging over it, aha, it's an alien or something like that. So I think it all depends on us, really, and how we interpret these things. So uh, that's how... I would respond to Jamie on that. Uh, and just one more point on that. Seeing these, people say, well, you know, if we're looking at somebody in a parallel world, how come they don't look like somebody in a parallel world going about their day? Sometimes they do. Very often they do. And I often wonder how many people we see on the street. And again, I've researched this as well. How many people we see on the street who are really not on our street but are uh, sharing the same space in some parallel existence? And, don't, and half the time they don't even know we're there because they see us the same way we see them, if they see us or hear us at all. So as a result, uh, when you, uh, one of the analogies I use is, uh, suppose you're sitting in your house and you have a big bay window or something, your neighbor walks in front of it to come to your door to ring the doorbell or knock on the door, and you have a curtain in front of the window, you're not going to see your neighbor wearing the checkered shirt or whatever the person's wearing. You're going to see a gray or a black shadow moving by the window because of the curtain. And think of the curtain as sort of a world boundary. This is essentially, according to our work, seems to be world boundaries that are made up of plasma or electrified air molecules because electromagnetism is what holds the physical universes together, and that seems to be how that works. So Jamie continues, uh, she responded to that, uh, yeah, this is why I mentioned parasites. Was kind of wondering if those that look the same all the time could be parasites. Well, I've, I've often seen shadow, what are commonly known as shadow people associated with parasite cases. Now, they could be associated, they could be associated with the parasites themselves. Maybe they might even be parasites. And by parasites, I mean what, is, what folklore refers to as negative entities, demons, things of this kind. I think they're kind of beyond that, although they do fill the bill. And I often wonder if these are, these are not them. Or sometimes they could be uh, a symptom of the world connections because several of these membranes can be connected uh, at the same time, three, four, five, six, maybe more. And they may be denizens of, of one of the worlds that uh, the parasites do not come from. So that's something that I think has to be taken case by case. Ben, did you want to continue with this uh Response, or, uh, I guess uh, Jamie's response here. See, sure. second sentence there. Second sentence. Yeah. Also. Alrighty. So also, I get uh, that feeling about a lot of uh, child spirits. Uh, did you want to stop there? And <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I have problems with the whole word spirits. Uh, everybody uses it. Everybody talks about it. Because what else could these things be? Okay. Now, I'm not saying there are no spirits, and what a spirit is, and the, the, the technical definition of it is, is a, a, a being or an entity with no 
physical body. No corporeal body. No corporeal body. But but what? But in the, in the, in the context of the multiverse, what does that even mean? You know, because all matter, what we think of as matter, is really uh, energy in a different form. Everything is energy. You could, and, and shamans will tell you this, physicists will tell you this, that you could uh, technically, uh, in the right circumstances, sort of walk through a solid wall because the distances between your molecules and your body are, are, are quite extensive. Mm. And much of what we see as matter it really is kind of a function of our consciousness, as is time and space. So what, is, what does a spirit even mean? I personally, early on, had a problem with the idea that I was researching ghosts in the classical sense, that you have people whose bodies die, and what's left of them, their essence, if you will, or soul, whatever you want to call it, leaves the body and somehow has all the memories, all the thoughts, all the imagination, all, all, everything that you'd have in the body. That is the worst kind of dualism, as we would say in philosophy, I think it's the worst kind of Western thinking. How can you be you without your body? And without all of you, you, which includes bodies in lives you're living in parallel worlds, if that theory is correct, then what, I don't know, in, in one way it doesn't make any difference if you have the body you're wearing now, or it does make all the difference. It depends on the point well, of still, view. It wouldn't really make much sense if spirit things are doing physical stuff. Well, that's exactly right, and that's what I began to find. The, on my first case in 1971, somebody, uh, something took the hat off one of the seminary students who was with me, put it way the heck up in a tree, it took, a, took it to the poor guy half the next afternoon to get it back. And uh, things of that kind happening, how would spirit in the classical sense interact with matter? And there, are, there are theories on that, none of which I happen to agree with. Uh, so th- these are all issues. So when you're, saying, you're talking about child spirits, spirits to, of dead children... Let me, let me finish the okay. sentence, I suppose. So he says, Also, I get that feeling about a lot of child spirits who seem lost or pleading for help. When taking it into consideration that adults have a tendency to want to help or protect a child, what better way for a parasite to get someone to invite them into their homes and lives than disguising themselves as a child in torment? I'll keep an eye out for more sightings of the gray man uh, we seem to have. Talk to Anne uh, some, and she only reports uh, one negative experience. If anything unpleasant happens, uh, you will most likely be the first I come uh, mentioning it to, uh, considering <laughs> your views on the paranormal seem to make sense combined with uh, some of my experiences. Well, thank you, Jamie. I uh, uh, hope so. And, uh, yeah, please do keep us informed on that. The uh, All I can say is that many of these things do turn up in different kinds of cases. And one thing we look for, as a matter of fact, we have a new case going out in Providence, Rhode Island, that if there's time at some point we'll fill you in on, and we will as we go, because we tend to spend a lot of time on cases, where there are, uh, there, is, there does seem to be a nexus, and we run into this a lot, of, of different worlds and different beings and different things coming through. And the woman in the house, who's the, they're the loveliest people, uh, but she talks in the same terms as just about everyone else, you know, in terms of spirits. And we had an dis- inter- interesting discussion yesterday well, on that. Well, how about we, uh, we move on to the next email, because this deals exactly with that. Okay, let's do that. Alrighty, so Matt from uh, Noble, Oklahoma, writes to us, I was a uh, ghost hunter until stuff started happening in my, ho- in my <clears throat> house. Excuse me. 
Uh, like you guys say, you can bring stuff home with you, and it's not like bird watching. Your ideas about parallel worlds make sense, but I do not know about uh, your ideas that ghosts are not spirits. I ran into a few that said they needed help or were worried about their loved ones. They sure acted dead to me. <laughs> well, Matt, it wasn't. Yes. Yeah. Well, Matt, if they were dead, they'd be dead. I mean, dead means absence of life. And every and everyone I've run into of any kind seems to be very much alive. And that's what started me asking these questions forty odd years ago. Was very odd years ago, was they showed no sign whatsoever of being dead. They seem to be going about, and I'm talking about particularly the uh, village of voices that I write about in Faces at the Window, the book. Uh, there's a chapter on that. And uh, they seem to be going about their daily lives in the uh, 18th century or whatever it was, and uh, right down to, to ox carts driving by us that we couldn't see and things of this kind. So uh, are these spirits, are there spirits of wooden wheels that we heard or things of this kind? I just don't think that's good enough as an explanation. Sure, you're going to run into entities, they may be parasites, they may not be, who are saying, that, saying they're in trouble, saying they need help. And so I'm sure some of them do, because what, what, what are we dealing with here? We're dealing with other worlds. How many times in this world do people cry out for help, especially children? I pity the children of this time that, that we live in. Their, their, parents seem to care only about themselves. I don't want to get into moralizing here, but parents seem only to care about, care about themselves. It's all me, me, me. And it is unbelievably destructive because that's not what we are about. The individual doesn't even exist if you look at the paranormal or physics. Can't wait to get into that with Physics Amikot of Swami. consciousness. Sorry? So I can't wait to get into that with Amit Oh, that's, that's oh, be the, one be of the greatest guests we've ever had coming up in a few weeks. Uh, the great mystic and renowned physicist, uh, Dr. Amit Goswami. We'll, we'll get into that soon. So, uh, he, and he is, an, he is a physicist of consciousness. And he'll echo everything I'm saying here, I'm sure. So it, it really bothers me. So plenty of children are crying out. And we will pick that up in one way or another. In parallel worlds, so many of them uh, that the, may cross through cross our paths are are um, very similar to ours, and there are suffering children, suffering people. And I'll go you one better on that. What you've got too is there. There is a certain identity among all of us. As I say, there really is no such thing as an individual. That's a Western thing, and it's why we're so frustrated. There really isn't any such thing. We share the lives and the pain and the injury, and the horror and the misery of these poor children, wherever they may be, whenever they may be. Naturally, we're going to run into them. We could be dealing with an aspect of ourselves if we're close to that person in that world. Strange concept, but that's how we think it works, and that's how we've seen it work. So when you are dealing with a child that you, know, you think is, is a spirit of a dead child, think again. It may be something far more intimate and far more interesting than that. How does somebody act dead? I, I don't know. I don't kind know. of like lie down and stay I don't know. A that, that sentence is confusing me. They sure acted dead to me. I don't know. Well, Whatever. I, I maybe, well, write, maybe, maybe, maybe you can write again. Right back and, yeah, and, and explain what he explain means. Explain what that is. I'm, because yeah. in the multiverse, there really is no such thing as death. Not even for the body. There can't be. Because time... Ex everything exists simultaneously. There is no future, there is no past in the objective sense of the terms. They are functions of our consciousness. That's how we experience them, 
because we haven't, I suppose, if you use the word evolved to the point where we can experience them beyond that. And those of us who do in this society are often considered crazy. Well, I mean, and, the thing is, it's, it, it, it's, if something comes up to you and just starts talking to you, I don't know, I just don't, I just don't trust that. I mean, I think uh, the, the uh, book Everything I Learned in Kindergarten just comes to mind where it's like, don't talk to strangers. <laughs> That's right. And it's, it's like, if I walk up to somebody and say, well, I'm a god, it's like Ghostbusters. If anybody like if some, tells you you're, you're a god, <laughs> asks you you're a god, you say yes. yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah. Like, it's like that. How can you... I just don't understand how people just so readily trust these things. Well, it's uh, that's not because, as we always say, nothing in the paranormal no offense, is what, no it, offense what to it appears you, to no be. Offense. No, 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 no not at all. But, but the, I, just, not, I don't know. I'm just, 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 from, just from my opinion and standpoint. I mean, that, the caution that is required, and that's why um, when we speak to popular paranormal groups, we're always, we say don't do it. We always advise, and of course they're going to do it, so you always advise extreme caution. You're not bird watching, train watching, or collecting butterflies here for Pete's sake. You're doing something that is extraordinarily dangerous. And people are going to do it, so we've been speaking at more conferences lately, and hopefully people have some ears to hear what we have to say, and hopefully we're right. Indeed. Anyway, so there we are. Okay. Uh, so thank you um, for writing in, Matt. Okay, here is um, one from Maria. Maria does not say where she, but she must be from California because she says, Pat, Paul and Ben, I met you when you gave a talk in San Diego in 07. Ben, you were just a kid and had no beard. <laughs> Would have been funny if he did. Paul, you talked about psychic traits running in families and also sometimes bad spirits or parasites. Do these go together? My family comes from Mexico, and it's like everybody, man and woman, is psychic, and things like to follow us around. It also seems like it's more powerful in certain places. Can we control it or get rid of it? Well, Maria, I, I think our, we were talking about you today. I think we remember you. At least I, I think you do, because I think you were uh -huh. there with your mother. Anyway, there were, there were a lot. Of, there were a lot of people. Yeah, I, I know, so but I'm, I'm somehow I'm trying. I'm trying to rack my brain. Yeah. Well, anyway, it was yeah. a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah, and you did not have a beard. No, I didn't, that. unless I taped taped like right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have photos to prove it. So. Um, the psychic traits running in families and also sometimes bad spirits of parents, do they go together? That's a good question, and I've often wondered that. We were talking with Dr. Um, um, I believe, uh, um, senior moment, I'm, I'm getting quite senior, Dr. Uh, Tucker, um, last week or the week before, uh, he was a uh, University of Virginia scientist who researches uh, children's memories of past lives, quote-unquote, and he was saying that uh, sometimes when children have gone through uh, um, these experiences and, and uh, they, they do have a lot of memories of what, what we would say are parallel lives, but whatever, they tend to be more psychic, more sensitive. We've also seen that, uh, speaking with guests who are experts on near-death experiences, that they frequently will have great psychic abilities after they have the near-death experience. Not always, but sometimes. Uh, they also become very, um, um, well, uh, uh, sensitive and adept and, and other-centered and other good things do happen in these situations. So uh, th I think that perhaps um, psychic traits running in families uh, and being followed by parasites might be connected. Certainly, I have found that in several cases, really, really more than several. 
And uh, it's funny because uh, speaking of California, when I was there, I was there on a book tour, and uh, I think it was the previous year before Ben and I were there. It was um, I was speaking at the Learning Connection in San Diego, and there was uh, someone in the audience, and, and with all the people in the audience, she just stood out because it just seemed there was something dark around her. And as a result, I kind of uh, talked to, well, people came up to meet me later, and, I, and she, she did too, and she said, I, what you said about parasites, I wanted to talk to you. And sure enough, she said that she was from a family of Mediterranean descent, and they had had a problem with this for generations. It seemed that they had psychic abilities in the family, very sensitive people, mediumistic abilities, which they used, uh, which is not always the wisest thing, especially not in seances and all that, and that they felt that they were being followed by some sort of, of entities. And sure enough, it was very obvious that they were um, were being followed by parasites. And we uh, contacted, um, uh, we ha- had been in contact for a while after that, and I just said, bring in positive energy and do what you have to do. So, another, so that's a long answer to Maria's question. Yes, I think definitely there are. There are certain issues related to that, and uh, certainly in certain places, because it's not just you. It's the, uh, the ducks, as we often say, that have to be lined up for these uh, paranormal events to occur. The uh, site, the energies at the site, geotechnic situation, uh, how, what the electromagnetic fields are like, how they're conducted by the water table, all these things are relevant to, uh, to what's happening here. So can you control it and get rid of it? Well, that's a big if, a very often... You cannot. You just have to learn to, you can control it, but to, to learn to live with it, it, it can be very difficult. But we'll get back into that in a minute. Uh, we have Tom Spitalari uh, from Parafest, Northeast Parafest on the line, I believe. Do we, Ben? Yes. Okay, let's, uh, let's bring Tom aboard. Tom, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. No, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me tonight. I appreciate it. It's actually New England Parafest. New England Parafest. Okay, excellent. Yeah. So we want that's taking place in April. So just tell us about it. We yep. wanted to start uh, letting people know about that tonight. Right. It's going to take place Saturday, April 26th at the Crown Plaza in Nashua from 9 to about uh, 5.30. And uh, we're going to have a lot of guest speakers. We get some great guest speakers coming on. We got uh, the legendary Paulino coming on. <laughs> wonder who that guy is. Yeah, whoever the yeah, yeah. Um, I got Tom D'Agostino, vampire researcher, coming on. Oh yeah, our uh, our listeners know Tom. He he lives near here, and he's been on the show very often. Right, we got him coming on. We got um, EVP specialist Karen Mossy. I she's from my way, but if you ever seen the movie White Noise, sure, I love you. EVP is actually hers. Really? Okay. They used her EVP in the movie White Noise. Little bit back on this one, she gave me permission. She was doing an EVP in her house. It's actually her father coming through to talk to her. Hmm. All right, that's well, let, quite let, interesting. And it's, she's also an author. She's published Spooky, Creepy New England, and she's doing a second book right now that will be out in the spring. Well, that's pretty good. And uh, this is Nashua, New Hampshire. You're talking this about because we have Nashua, listeners all over the universe yeah. here. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're in Nashua, New Hampshire. Okay, and that's. Uh, uh, you know, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., is it? Yep. That's Very good. Correct. Okay. And uh, who else uh, is going to be speaking? Well, we got we just got we just got confirmation. We got Shannon uh, Sylvia coming. Okay. From Ghost Hunters International, Ghost Hunters. Uh, we also got uh, cryptozoologist uh, coming from Maine. Now, Lauren Coleman, the great Lauren, Lauren Coleman. Lauren Coleman is coming, yeah, another legend in Ooh. the field. That's going to be great. 
Oh, it's good. and we also have Audrey Hewen, who's a UFO contactee who was just on uh, TV uh, just, uh, on the Destination Channel, Monsters and Mysteries of America. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We got that, we got her speaking that day. I think we uh, met Shannon. Ben, did not we meet Shannon at uh, the uh, Lemonster, the UFO New England UFO uh, conference? We? And yeah, I think she came up and made herself known. Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. Audrey and Debbie Hewen. They have Stabon support out of Austin, Maine. Okay. So they, that's who they are. They're coming down. Um, and we're, we're still lining up a couple more, but we're in good shape as far as good speakers are concerned. Sounds like excellent. Where can, where can people find out more? Uh, they can go to the Essex, the brand new Essex County Ghost Project website. And I got to tell you this: all the money raised from this parafest, we're hoping to raise about ten grand. It's going to go to the restoration of the Hilldale Cemetery in Havel, Massachusetts. Excellent. It's a 20-acre rolling cemetery um, with over 400 Civil War veterans itself interned in there. And there's about um, 19,000 graves, and they're all in danger of falling over. Wow. I took this cemetery over a couple years ago. It is private. We are not funded by any other operation. And I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. We have about $300 in cash and about $1,100 that we can't touch in the perpetual care account. Mm-hmm. So well, that we'll, doesn't uh, take care of a cemetery. Well, but, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's not enough money. But we'll be honored yeah. to, help you, uh, to help you with the conference and help you raise well, money. Indeed. Well, that, uh, and because you're so honored to do that, we are actually going to give away two tickets. The two tickets are for the speakers and the breakfast. The meet and greet with all the speakers, and that's uh, two tickets. They're forty-five dollars a piece. We're going to give them away on your show. Excellent. Oh, cool. It comes to that event. So well, we'll be talking about that. We'll be setting up an on-air raffle as we did for the uh, Parafest. Uh, I mean, for the uh, New England UFO uh, conference. Unfortunately, one of the winners lived in Las Vegas and couldn't couldn't quite manage the trip. But hey, we'll give them away. We'll give them away. Yes. Yeah. That sounds cool. great. Okay, very good. Well, we're going to have you back on uh, several more times, and we're going to be promoting this event. So, Tom, uh, that's excellent. Why don't you give that website one more time? All right. It's EssexCountyGhostProject.org, all one word. Outstanding. Very good. Well, thank you, Tom. We'll be talking to you soon. thank you for the time. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Very good. Bye-bye. Okay, let's take our break. We'll be right. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240. And we'll be right back after the break. Stick with us. Hello, this is Manny Brando. Folks, my show's been moved Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Tell your friends the Manny Brando show is now 8 a.m. on Sunday morning, right here on OM Radio. Okay, before we get back to our letters, I certainly wanted to remind you about some of the charities Ben and I have adopted. You can find these uh, linked on our website at BehindTheParanormal.com, certainly USACares.org. They do great things uh, for financial help for wounded veterans and their families. Uh, also, Canadian Veterans Advocacy for our Canadian listeners and anybody else who would like to support that great group, which does legislative advocacy on the provincial and the federal levels in Canada for Canadians, Canada's veterans. And also a new charity we've adopted, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, a wonderful, wonderful group that does great things, and we're trying to get the word out on that. 
Uh, Tony LeRae runs that group. He was on the show a few uh, weeks ago, and he'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about how indigenous wisdom can be applied to at-risk youth. I think a very interesting kind of thing with a, with a certainly of relevance to our show. Uh, youthmentoring.org. Check that out. Okay, let's get back to our letters here. And I just, uh, again, just to uh, sum up what we were saying here uh, for, uh, with um, uh, Maria, can you get control of it when you have problems in your family or at least issues in your family from people being psychic and being followed by parasites? And I mean, if that is the case. Now, uh, you control it, I think, I think by, by using what we call the um, Peter Pan theory, think happy thoughts. You know, you can really get somewhere if you're positive. You stick together, you stand shoulder to shoulder, you tell your loved ones that you love them, don't wait, and uh, establish that solidarity. Keep good humor in the family, faith, all good things, and, and it, it repels these things. And even if there have been some that have been farming your family or your ancestors, and that, that is the case, that, that, that's actually the term that I use, and I think it's most accurate, you can keep the thing under control. If something is attached to the land but because of the energies there, that uh, does happen too. That can be a little more difficult, but still, keep it positive and you can keep the things at bay. So, but they are at times difficult to control. But don't give them any more power than you, because they don't have a lot. What they get, they draw pretty much from you and don't participate in it. Don't do negative things that are going to feed these parasites. That, that's how essentially that works. So you want, you want to just keep it positive. Okay, here's one from Chuck in Chipping Camden, Gloucestershire, UK. We were in Gloucestershire about a year and a half ago. Uh, I have been a ghost hunter for 10 years, and I have never seen or heard anything. So I guess any danger that comes from it depends on being a better ghost hunter than I am. Why do some people get tossed through windows and hear screaming spirits while others are bored to death during investigations? Well, that's well, well phrased, Chuck. I like that. I, I occasionally run into that. Uh, there was a fellow I talked to, uh, it must be well over a year now, and he said that he uh, had a similar experience. He had been at this for about like 10 or 12 years, uh, gone on cases like every week, and never saw or heard a thing. Well, there might be several reasons for that. Uh, the, the main reason being that there's nothing to see or hear. I think in many cases that that's what's going on or not going on. And also because you don't spend maybe enough time. We, as I say, spend literally years on cases. And uh, people say, well, you know, you've been investigating for 43 years. How come you haven't investigated thousands of cases? Because, well, it, there's, we don't. We don't take it lightly. We spend lots and lots of time on cases. that We've been working on one, uh, or at least monitoring the situation and doing follow-up on one for over eight years, uh, longer than Ben has been involved with me. So th these are things that, that uh, have to, um, I think, uh, be rules, is stick with it. That can be difficult when you're at a distance, too. Because we get all kinds of requests from Australia and New Zealand, and you know we can't just jump in our Gulf Stream and zip down there and take care of it. But we do try to do what we can. So, uh, what, your, what are your thoughts on that, Ben? I mean, as far as uh, what, why do some people see things and others not, or hear things or whatever? Oh, well, I mean, um, every time I'm asked that question, I'm always tempted to think of Beetlejuice with uh, the uh, book that was uh, for the recently deceased <laughs> and <laughs> recently diseased, yeah, basically, yeah. and how. Um, People choose whether or not they want to see these things. Mm -hmm. 
if you walk around and you're like, I'm ready to see whatever, you will probably see something. That's right. That's what you said in the uh, featurette that went with The Conjuring. That was the most intelligent thing in the featurette. Well, I, yeah, I guess, but that's not the point. The point, the point is that um, if you are uh, really, 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 really willing to see something, you probably will, whether it's real or not, then... It really uh, <clears throat> comes down to the person who sees it, you know? Well, one of the things, and maybe this is a time to start talking about this new case we're working on uh, in Providence. That we well, just... let's get our notes together first. Okay, all right. But I think it's you know, seeing things and not seeing things. But yeah, l- let's get our thoughts together around that. We've only been there once, so going back on Sunday. Yeah, we'll I mean, that, that, that's like a doctor looking at a patient once and then, like, giving a diagnosis for yes, something like yes. critical. Yeah. Well, actually, that kind of makes sense. I'm trying to think of a good analogy, but I right. can't. No, I, I get the point. You get the point. Yeah. Yes. All right. So um, uh, there, are, and also because uh, there's another factor that I found, and this happened in in the famous or soon to be famous Bridgeport Poltergeist case of 1974. Is a New book coming out on that, and I'm told that there are movie possibilities already because it involves the and Lorraine Warren, who were you know, maybe they, they wanted I don't know whatever I'm not going to speculate, but yeah, let's, um, not, let's not speculate. Yes, uh, but that was we were in the house for uh, in this case very strong, very active poltergeist situation. We were in the house for hours before we actually saw anything, and we were there for the better part of three days. And there were things you know you can read my book on that or you go back to the shows where we talked about it but there was a lot going on uh, but you have to be there for a certain amount of time in most cases uh, in order for I suppose the, the mix of energies to kind of get used to you and uh, for you to begin to perceive things and now un- uh, it's unusual now here you have uh, Jamie's case from Sierra Vista Arizona that we talked about earlier in the show and uh, she and her fiance walked in and almost immediately saw the gray figure that, that, that's kind of unusual. Usually you can take up, and if, a, if you move into a new house that has a problem and you don't know it, it can take up to four years for things to really get going. Again, it depends on the situation and it depends on you. If Charles Manson moves in, obviously things are going to happen sooner yeah. if it's a negative situation. So, yeah. so um, th- that seems to be it. So I don't know, Chuck, maybe you just should uh, switch to uh, stamp collecting or playing soccer or something rather than this. You know, something where you might have better luck. But uh, let us know if you do see anything anyway and give our regards to Gloucestershire, one of, one of my favorite places. All right, another, this one is from Missy in Easton, Massachusetts, right in our listening area. Alrighty, so, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Missy writes to us, Are you more prone to UFO sightings if you are psychic? And if so, why? By the way, uh, by the way, I live in the famous Bridgewater Triangle. I know people that have uh, seen weird stuff, but I never have. But I always have felt that the place feels weird, even though I grew up there. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of us. Well, it is a, it is a weird place. So. Oh yeah, we have some experience with the Bridgewater Triangle. It's not far away from where we live. A lot of people say we're really lucky to live the, live near there, but I, I don't. It depends on your point of view, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, but <laughs> we've had some. You live right near the Bermuda Triangle. Lucky you. Yeah. But it's a good question, Missy. Uh, the, the Triangle has uh, has seen many events uh, related to UFOs. Uh, uh, Bigfoot, supposedly. I like the story of the police officer uh, whose who's cruiser, the back of the cruiser, was picked up by a Bigfoot and then dropped with him in it. Hmm. And he was kind of bounced around and scared to death. Uh, huge birds. There's, there's a place called Bird Hill in the so-called triangle as part of the uh, Hockamock Swamp Management Area. And uh, supposedly giant thunderbirds have been seen there or were seen there. Uh, the natives 
reported stuff uh, way back. And they, uh, when the European settlers said, well, what the hey is going on here? They said, well, it's just that's the area. The, the very word Hakamak is in Hakamak Swamp is associated with negative spirits or demons or whatever you want to say. At least uh, that's in the Algonquian language group that would be the case. So there are all sorts of things going on there. Are you, if you are psychic, and, and let's define that term because it has a lot of baggage, psychic in our book is when you are sensitive to the presence of many other parallel worlds, where many different things may be going on, and where there may, may be information to be gained to help you in this world. That, that's essentially what shamans do. So were you, had you lived in a uh, more mature culture than ours or an indigenous culture somewhere else in the world, you might have been a shaman. You know. But everybody has a certain amount of quote-unquote psychic ability because I believe it, it certainly was a uh, survival mechanism. And if our ancestors had not had a certain amount of it, uh, or if animals did not have a certain amount of it, their species would be probably extinct. Is, it's sort of an important part of our information systems yeah. that we use for survival. So I think, uh, yeah, I think you're, you're probably more prone to seeing UFOs in as much as they may be from other worlds, just sort of popping in and out of ours. And, uh, you know, the question often arises with UFO experts on the show, and even Stanton Friedman, who tends to be a nuts and bolts kind of guy, they're visitors from other planets, and he admits uh, certainly the, the, the method of transportation, nuts and bolts or otherwise, uh, might be to slip in and out of parallel worlds where they're, they're already here and to travel essentially without having to traverse the distance in between. And what do you find with subatomic particles in the quantum world? They very often will, will travel immense distances, impossible distances, without traversing the space in between. This has actually been shown in, in, in experiments and things of that kind. So this is, uh, this is the first, as I say, the, maybe the second day of school for Everybody here. So. We've now moved to the second day. Exactly. All right. Um, I wanted to move on here. Here's a, here's a question from Costa... It's funny. Costa Mesa, Arizona, and Costa Mesa, California. I've, I've spoken in Costa Mesa, California, so I know that, but I didn't know there was one in Arizona. Anyway, this is from Kelly in Costa Mesa, California. It's from way back. Sorry it took so long to get to it. It's not okay. Uh, Kelly writes to us, uh, Your interviews with alien abductee uh, Thomas Reed were really interesting. From what he said and from what I read about abductions, it seems like the aliens are interested in very intelligent people with special gifts. My question is uh, that both of you are that kind of people. Have either of you thought you've been abducted? Okay, I know we've read this. Well, if we'd read it, it would have been... Would no, have been, no uh, we've totally read that before. Well, we'll answer it again anyway. I mean, <laughs> if, I, if we'd read it, I would have thrown it away. That's You're having actually, a multiverse experience, Ben. Uh, unless unless like, I'm just too unless, old to remember. I don't know. I, I just remember... It. That question specifically. Well, I organize these. I'm very careful with them. We don't see that. We don't see the next one. Well, I know you're really organized with this stuff, but like, I just don't. don't Whatever. Whatever. All right. Well, the answer is well, we'll we'll make it brief. No, Uh, I don't remember ever having any kind of abduction experience, or Ben certainly hasn't, as far as I know. He can answer that himself. Well, no. Not that I know of, at least. All right, well, that's a quick answer to the question. There we go. Okay. Moving on. Uh, but, you know, the Tom, the Tom Reed situation is interesting. That was a family abduction, apparently, in the 60s. They lived here in New England uh, in two different places, and they had uh, their grandmother, mother, and the, the two boys were they actually saw the craft uh, coming over broad daylight, and the car stopped, and they were missing time. It was quite interesting, and we've had him on the show several times. You can look back on our podcast for that. This is an interesting one. 
uh, from Senator Robert F. Kennedy. What? All right. He emailed us? <laughs> no, no, no. no. This is, has United States Senate uh, <laughs> uh, letterhead on it. And uh, no, we're not dealing with, we're not doing the medium thing here. It's uh, February 7th, 1966. And I, I came into the possession of some very, very interesting UFO papers. We talked to them on one, uh, one night on the show here. Uh, locally, uh, they were uh, of interest because uh, they were connected with our, our good friend on this station, uh, Joe Ferrier. Uh, who was a beloved talk show host on this station for more than 50 years. And we'd always look forward to coming in on Mondays because our show followed his on, on Mondays, and it was, it was just great to see him. He was a, a renowned UFO uh, expert in the early, 19, early, mid, and late 1960s. And uh, he, he was on our show and said things that he had never said before publicly. We were very honored by that. And again, there are podcasts of that uh, on, our, on our website that are free for, for listening. And uh, in this packet, large packet of information and files, uh, there was a letter written to Mr. John A. Keel. And for those who don't know, uh, John Keel was a journalist, um, I like to think kind of like myself, who was a newspaper man for many years and was interested in the paranormal, did a lot of research. He was one of the first or the first investigator of the uh, Mothman sightings in the Ohio Valley in the 1960s uh, in West Virginia and Ohio. And he uh, was the author of the Mothman Prophecies, on which the film was very loosely based, a film with Richard Gere, who was well known here in Woonsocket because of the movie Hachi, Rather nice. You can see the end of our street in one of the one of the shots. And uh, John Keel uh, apparently wrote to Senator Kennedy asking about what was going on with the uh, UFOs. So I'll, I'll read this again, uh, dated February seventh, nineteen sixty six. This being, of course, February. And uh, dear Mr. Keel, uh, thank you for your thoughtful letter on so-called quote unidentified flying objects unquote. Many reputable scientists agree that there must be other beings in the universe. Dr. Harlow Shapley, for one, has stated that there is a high probability that there is other life in the universe. I mean, today in 2014, that, that's the no-brainer, obviously. Anyway, to believe that there is other life in the universe is not, however, to believe that UFOs are manned vehicles. One explanation of this phenomenon connects with lights that are seen with the gaseous tails of comets. All right. A careful analysis of sightings to date has not given us any indication that UFOs are manned. I appreciate hearing from you on this matter and hope you will write again on matters of mutual interest. Sincerely, Robert F. Kennedy. Okay. Now, uh, obviously, there are some uh, interesting issues here. Of course, the uh, guest we had uh, last week, Mark D'Antonio, who was an astronomer and also the director of video and photo analysis for the... Mutual UFO Network, a, a rather a very credible organization among such organizations, was talking about how uh, many, many, many uh, exoplanets have been discovered, planets uh, orbiting other stars, because now, particularly with the, with the uh, uh, space telescopes in uh, service uh, orbiting the Earth, you can see past what usually would be a problem with the atmosphere and pollution and this sort of thing, and you can get very, very clear and magnificent photos and uh, analysis of various stars. And when they, what they do, as I understand it, is you can actually see the planets orbiting the stars because they move in front of the stars, Yeah, and you can see them when they do that. Yeah, the Doppler effect or whatever. Well, the Doppler effect is the, the, the speed. That's the distance. That's the distance. Speed, yeah. speed and distance. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's shown us that for some reason we're moving toward the constellation Hydra. 
the Hydra not being a very pleasant creature in mythology, but really, yeah, they yeah. Have have I, I don't know why this, that is nobody do, seems is to know this why documented. They're... Oh sure, yeah. Want, our whole group around our galaxy, a group of galaxies, is, seems to be moving toward Hydra for some strange. I, I, I'm sorry, not the galaxies. I'll have to look it up, but I believe it's our whole solar system. Because Hydra's in this galaxy, obviously, it's a constellation. So our whole solar system and the surrounding area seems to be moving toward Hydra. Well, the universe is expanding. Neighborhood. I mean, it's constantly expanding, so it might... Well, that, that's yeah. the basic theory, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so in any uh, case, there are lots and lots of planets. So, I mean, I think it's kind of a duh situation that there'd be other life. I mean, the, the Mark was speculating you've got, what, over, what, millions of civilizations, just, just according to the, the statistics and the planets... There might be a million or more civilizations like us in this galaxy alone, and there there are billions it's of galaxies. <laughs> it is. It, it's it's too much to we can't handle numbers like this. You know, it's no. funny. You know, we can understand and, and sympathize with the death of ten people in in a in a, a bus accident, say, but the deaths of millions, we we can't grasp it. Well, I mean, it's easier to see ten people than it is to see a million people. Well, that might be our fatal flaw when it comes to what has. Uh, Commonly been known as the bomb, you know. We, you know, it's really, really frightening. As a matter of fact, I remember hearing a Chinese general, uh, and this had to do with some military meetings that were going on. And uh, somebody said, "Well, you know, what, in the nuclear exchange, you know, heaven forbid this happens." And, da, da, da. and the Chinese general uh, almost smiled and said, "We could lose two hundred million people and not even feel it." You know, and, and, and that that is a really frightening. It's a, it's a hideous thing to say, and, and it's a hideous thing to imagine. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> what? Why did? But you that's think the that was okay. that's the world we live in. That is that's you know? not okay. So pull in some positive energy from elsewhere. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that'd be interesting. That letter from uh, from Kennedy here. Uh, a few things here from um, from uh, Lon Strickler. Lon Strickler is our good friend who uh, runs the phantomsandmonsters.com website. Um, and uh, he has um, uh, an email that people can receive, and he's just he's a wonderful, wonderful fellow who, who just researches this stuff and is careful about it and stuff from all over the world, and it's just pages and pages and volumes of material. It's too bad his schedule constantly conflicts with our show. I know. Well, he, he was on once. Was he? Yeah, a long time oh, ago. Oh, I might yeah. have been... It's Lauren Coleman who never comes up. because Lauren he, Coleman. I would yeah. get them confused. Uh, one think, of our I, fellow I speakers. I, at I the, think it's the L. The New L England Parafest. Yeah. Those L well, names always confuse me. Well, uh, well, well Lauren has, uh, who is probably the most renowned cryptozoologist in the world, a researcher of uncategorized creatures. He lives in Maine. He's not that far away. But he's got... Uh, he just had, when we were on CBS on Sunday nights, he had a, a conflict with that every single week. And he has a conflict every single Monday. So it's just, and we like to do live shows. And uh, well, we, I think we might grab him for a podcast up there Yeah. in April. So yeah, anyway. All right, so here's, this is very interesting. This is a real, I thought this would be funny because we had so many questions about hauntings tonight. Realtor.com's 2013 Haunted House Report. The National Association of Realtors. Wow. Alrighty. So more than uh, half of home buyers say they'd be okay with buying a haunted house. According to Realtors.com, 2013 haunted house report based on about uh, 1,400 uh, respondents' uh, views regarding spooky homes. In fact, more than a third of respondents say they've already lived in a haunted house. Especially if you go with our theories. Uh, but if uh, they're going to live in a scary home, buyers expect a discount. Uh, the survey finds that uh, 34% of responder, respondents excuse me, say uh, they would buy a haunted home 
if it were uh, discounted, 1 to 30% and 22% said that they would buy a spooky house if it had a discount of 31 to 50%. <laughs> well, I'd buy a house at that point. <clears throat> yeah, I know. <laughs> 19% of uh, sur- survey respondents say it would uh, take a discount of 51% or more. Just give me the house for free. On, uh, <laughs> for more on a haunted house for them to buy it. When purchasing a... Uh, a home buyers want to know uh, what they're getting into, and that includes anything potentially spooky, says Allison Schwartz, vice president of uh, uh, corporate communications of Move Inc., the operator of Realtor.com. Our data reveals that while the majority of consumers are open to purchasing a haunted home, many buyers conduct research on a home's history to be aware of any weird incidents. The uh, survey revealed that our respondents believe that they are following uh, a warning signs that a home could be haunted. 61% say a cemetery is on the property. 50% say <laughs> a home that is over 100 years old. 45% consider uh, quick transitions in owners uh, could be an indicator. Uh, 45% say unexpected, unexpe- uh, excuse me, unexplainably low uh, prices on the home are an indicator. 43% say a home's close proximity to a battlefield could be another sign. Many respondents also say that they can uh, be spooked away from a haunted home. They rated the uh, following five incidents as having potential to scare them. Uh, Number one, levitating objects. Two, ghost sightings. Three, supernatural sensations. Supernatural sensations. They yeah, feel uh, really good. <laughs> wow, I just feel supernaturally good today. Uh, flickering lights and applications, strange noises such as uh, footsteps and doors slamming. Well, that's very interesting. You know, some states have laws that you have to tell people whether it's, they usually couch it in the terms you have to tell a potential buyer that someone has died in the house. Now, first of all, okay, well, we're coming up. All right. Well, no, and I didn't it, give the phone number a, to call. It. I'm sorry, I was doing. It's that. enough time. So please. Okay. Continue. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this is New England, for Pete's sake. I, I mean, every, every people have died all over the place. We've been here for hundreds of years. Doesn't Rhode Island have those laws? I th- you know, I should know that, but I, you'd think I'd know that. But I, I, thought, I thought... I know so. Connecticut does. Connecticut, yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know about here. I don't Maybe. know about Rhode Island. It's kind of strange. Well, very strange. But Mass, uh, Massachusetts, I don't know, or the rest of the states, I'm not sure. But uh, a lot of states across the United States have laws that you have to tell people whether somebody died in the house if you know that. Yeah. Okay. Get some supernatural sensations. But you know the thing about the battlefield. I mean, cemeteries, old houses in New England, uh, very often have family cemeteries where the people who built the house for several generations are buried on the property someplace, and they're generally cared for as historic sites. But they're on your property. Uh, th- there's a, there's a subdivision in Cumberland. Uh, Rhode Island, uh, near where we live, and uh, I remember I was on the Historic District Zoning Commission at the time, and I, I we had to go to the developer and say, you realize you have a cemetery on the property here, and he just built the whole, all the houses around it. You know, and uh, I've never heard of any problems. I don't think it's so much cemeteries. I find most of them very peaceful places, but there are exceptions to that. What I would be concerned about would be something near a battlefield. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember two plane crash sites that I investigated: one in Connecticut and one in New, in New York State, and uh, there were issues there and the battlefields, terrible traumas, things of that kind. Okay, well we're just about out of time, and thank you for those who wrote in. 
And uh, Ben, if you would be so kind. So don't uh, don't be sure. <laughs> so be sure to don't visit sure. our we- our website uh, behindtheparanormal.com, where you can find over 550 free podcasts of all of our past shows on both ON 1240 and our four and a half year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. Also check out our site www.newenglandghosts.com, where there are case studies and photos, along with articles by my dad. And you can find books uh, I've written on Barnes & Noble Nook, e-reader, Amazon Kindle, Amazon.com, etc., etc. But if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, I will autograph them for you. We take PayPal. And you will help us keep all those podcasts free. Also on our sites, you'll find direct links to the several charities that Ben and I have adopted. As I say, USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, and Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles doing amazing things for at-risk youth in that area, www.youthmentoring.org. And next Monday, February 17th, right here on WON 1240 and com, we will welcome Dr. Dale Peterson, associate of the great uh, primatologist Jane Goodall, for a discussion about animal consciousness. So get your questions to us at paul at behindtheparanormal.com or call in or you can uh, use our Facebook page. Yes, and uh, stay tuned after the show, actually 730 for the Boston Celtics versus the Milwaukee Bucks. I remember right. that. Here on ON 1240. We leave you this evening with an uplifting thought from the great Bill Cosby. A word to the wise isn't necessary. It's the stupid ones who need the advice. Hi. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we'll see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.